Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another day, and we've got an Eagles-Cowboys game to discuss as Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 436. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Greg Cosell about what the tape showed us from the Eagles' Saturday night loss on Christmas Eve against the Dallas Cowboys. The team fell to 13-2. and a lot to talk about on both sides. Offensively, what did Gardner Minshew look like on defense? Some of the breakdowns on third down. We'll get into some of the good and bad from the film in this game against Dallas and also preview this Sunday's matchup against the New Orleans Saints. Before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, leave it there. We'll answer it here in an upcoming episode. We've got an episode uh, that drops later this week. So if you want to get to the front of the line, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a question in the comment box, and we will answer it here. Here on the very next episode of the show. That said, let's now get into our uh, Chalk Talk segment. It's time to join Craig Cosell to talk through this Eagles-Cowboys game. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to welcome in Greg Cosell as we get it ready for some chalk talk. And Greg, uh, Eagles, like I said, fell to uh, fell for the second time in this season, thirteen and two. Now uh, they said still at the top of the NFC East. But uh, let's start on the offensive side of the football. I would say number one, it's t- it's tough to beat a good team on the road when you have four turnovers, right? And the, and the Eagles uh, uncharacteristically turned the ball over four times for a couple different reasons: two two fumbles, two uh, two interceptions. Um, but overall, what, what were your thoughts on the offensive performance in this game? Thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. You put it, and obviously, I watched the game uh, on on Saturday. I don't remember it was Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, you get certain impressions watching a game on TV, but then obviously, you put the tape on, and and I watch it with a whole different feel sitting in my office at NFL Films. So I see the second and third play, and and it just made me smile. Where the second play is the slant to Brown, yep, and the next play is the exact same look, and it's Sluggo, and we. You and I have talked over the last couple of years about how Diggs, who was matching up not every snap to Brown, but a good number of snaps to Brown, yep. that he's such a keer and a cluer and he likes to jump routes. So I thought that was just so good by the staff. And, of course, Gardner Minshew made the throw, and it was, I guess, a 48-yard gain yep. um, on that third play. But I thought overall, um, I thought Minshew played well. I thought... Even though Miles Sanders had the fumble, which obviously you can't have, and even though he only had 21 for 65, I actually thought he ran really hard. Yeah. I thought the, the, the run defense for the Cowboys, which had at times this year been a weakness, was strong, but I thought Sanders ran hard. Um, I thought there was a good mix of of calls in key situations and reactions by Minshew, and overall I thought it was, it was a solid performance by – by the offense. We'll never know exactly what the difference would have been with the Dallas defense. We can speculate, yep. but we'll never know what the what the difference would have been if Jalen Hurts was the quarterback. Of course, I, as I'm sure you saw on social media, some people saying, well, they would have scored 50. You know, you'll never know the answer to that question. They scored three offensive touchdowns and two field goals. They obviously had the defensive touchdown. But normally when you score 34 points, you feel like you should win a football game. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, when you look at the offense as a whole, uh, very efficient, moving the football. Yep. So the third down, I thought they did a really nice job. Yep. It was very apparent that the game plan was let's let's get the ball out of the quarterback's hands as fast as possible. And rightfully so, right? We talked about that Dallas pass rush last week, and Ben Fennell and I looked that number up earlier today. Uh, their time to pressure tied for first in the NFL, and on third down, well out ahead in terms of leading the NFL. And so you want to be able to get that ball out fast against that athletic front. Uh, and so a lot of Gardner Minshew's throws, it was, hey, top of the drop, rhythm throw, get the ball out. It was out. not sacked. Yeah, it was It was not sacked uh, no. against one of the top sack teams in the NFL. And so uh, I think that speaks to the game plan and the execution. No, I would agree 100%. Um, you know, and it's funny because there was a lot of talk about how you know, Micah Parsons would hold up against, let's say, Lane Johnson. Of course, he didn't rush the quarterback one time against Lane Johnson. Yeah. So he, on 69 of the 72 snaps, uh, which Parsons played, he lined up on the left side of the defensive front only three times, and all three were running plays. Yep. So he didn't have one pass rush against Lane Johnson. They were all against Maialata, and I thought that was a good matchup. You know, yeah, they were, both they were, guys had their share. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and Parsons didn't get there a lot because the ball was out. Yep. There were times he won, though, in the initial phase, and there were other times that Maialata did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And that's the thing is that when you're able to get the ball out fast, yep. that, that, that does help uh, the offensive line as often as the offensive line will help the quarterback. And so, uh, you know, I think we saw uh, plenty where they, they did have to change things up. There was a lot written about and talked about in the last time these two teams met in week six where the plan for Micah Parsons was, hey, we're not going to block him. We're going to read him. It's and so obviously that wasn't going to happen that in was this not, game. Exactly. Right. So they had to have another tool in the right. toolbox right. Uh, to be able to deal with them. Right. So it was a lot of uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, you know, helping out from that standpoint. And then Jordan Mailata one-on-one uh, as you you mentioned um just in terms of Minshew overall uh look at you know two of those interceptions I would say the the last one probably put more on Quez to be able to just kind of run that route a little bit sharper follow that route a little bit further through that first interception Gardner was kind of falling away from it a little bit the base was uh, was not exactly what you would like and so the placement uh was off in the middle right of the but field. I but I think it's funny you say that because I actually thought that that one was on Quez as well but that was yeah but you know, it's funny you mentioned Minshew, and obviously he hasn't started a game. I guess he started last year in the last game of the season. Uh, he had a couple starts midseason. Right, right, right. Ankle. Yeah, you Jets know, and game, I would yep. say generally what he is is he's a quick processor. He gets the ball out with good timing. I think he reads coverage and knows where to go with the football. Yep. I would say that one negative tendency, and the reason I'm mentioning it is because you just brought it up in relation to that interception, is, he, is that he drifts to his left when he senses inside pressure. Yeah. And... That results in off-balance throws, yep. and obviously it impacts velocity. He's not a big-arm guy, to begin with. Yeah, so sure. you know, obviously that that is a bit of a problem. But no, I thought that um, the two interceptions. I actually thought the second one was one where the ball placement could have been better, mm. and it allowed. Uh, I think it was Bland, right? The second one. Yes, I believe. Yeah, so, the right? first yep. one was Curse. The first, the first one right. was Curse, right. for sure. Yeah, but I actually thought the first one, and I thought I thought I made a note of it. I'm not, you know, I make so many notes, but um, so I got a, I got a lot of words written on those papers. I know there's too many words sometimes because um, I just sit there and you know the, the thoughts just start. But but I thought that um, the first one, I actually thought he placed well mm. because I thought and I thought that that. Uh, Quez just need to be a little stronger attacking yeah. the football. And Curse made a great play on it. Oh, uh, it's a great play, yeah. The yeah. Body. yeah. Um, the, a really nice play there by J. Ron Curse. Uh, real quick, before we get into the rest of the offense, I mean, we're talking about the, the receivers. Yeah. Devontae Smith, um, just some ridiculous, I know. otherworldly plays. I know, other uh, great catches. His body, body control, control. outstanding, yeah. really, right? Really, really amazing. Uh, I mean, yeah. the, the one along the sideline late in the yep. game was outstanding. Yep. Uh, the one on the final drive, pirouetting <coughs> mid-flight and pulling in that ball, the timing on that. Uh, he had another one like that in the middle of the field as well on the crossing route, just uh, shows up time and time again. Just a player that... 
outstanding at the catch point. We've seen him win at all three levels, inside, outside, yep. but then screen game, yards after catch. He's really to separate as a route runner. He's really he's an impressive player given his weight. I mean, really yeah. an impressive player. And you and I both had questions, rightfully so, questions about that. A lot of people did. Everybody did. Yeah. Even people in draft rooms no did. No question. I mean, when you're 160 pounds, people have questions about your ability to play wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. And he, I think he's answered those questions, no doubt. No question. I was glad to see that he got a, uh, got a, a, thousand, a thousand yards. yards. Yep. 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 You know, but it's funny you mentioned Smith. I thought I'd be curious as your uh, opinion on this. Um, his 14-yard touchdown on fourth and three. Okay. Okay. You remember the play well? Yeah, very much so. Yep. Did you think that play was designed for Goddard? No, I felt like that was going to go to Devontae. Really? The whole way. I, I felt that was going to be Devontae. Because w that play, which was inside zone run action to the boundary yep. with Minchu booting left and Goddard crossing the formation to the flat. Yep. They'd run that play a lot this year. No question. So and uh, it, similar in ways, not not the exact. No, same no, concept, but the concept. But, yep, very similar in ways yep. to what they ran uh, to Devontae Smith on the uh, the game ceiling touchdown back in Week Six against this team. Right, I was in the yeah, uh, going yeah, going from left yeah. to right. Uh, a little bit, a little bit different yeah. in terms of that other complementary route, uh, but very, very similar. And they, that caught Dallas in that one. Because I was just wondering watching that play because Diggs obviously jumped Goddard. Yep. Uh, so I was wondering if the play was designed for Goddard as one of their staple concepts just to get the first down right? or if indeed it was designed as it played out. And I guess, uh, so you thought it you was designed. Yeah, I, neither of us know. I, I don't know. Yeah, for, I'm yeah, just, me yeah. neither. I, that was just how I read it. Right, right. Um, and you could be right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, I yeah, it was a well-executed play, regardless by uh, by everybody yep. involved. Um, you know, so uh, Mile Devante Devante Smith uh, finishes eight catches, uh, over 100 yards, and a couple touchdowns. Uh, AJ Brown, another big game as well. He makes some big-time catches on third down. Uh, always available on those in-breakers. You know, he, he had that, that glance route on third and long. He had the uh, a couple squ uh, quick slants as well. Uh, we talked about the 48-yarder down the field already on the sluggo. So everybody involved in there from a pass game standpoint. And Goddard looked good. I, I was thought. just going to say Dallas Goddard. Made his yeah. return, uh, three catches, I believe 68 yards. All three of them go for uh, for 20 plus yep. and first down. So, uh, and all three of them winning in different ways. That first one, just a filthy route uh, on the like kind of the, that over and back route. He looked like he was going to run the deep crosser uh, and just real quickly pulled the 180 and went back towards the side. Was that the 25 yarder? To yeah, that was the, the that third was the possession. One. That was the first one. Yeah, yep, okay. exactly. Yeah. Um, so just winning in a, in a multitude of ways yep. there and uh, three catches. Well, I think we'll see more, we, more, more to come there with Goddard. Yeah, we absolutely up. will. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a, a big game there um, from that standpoint. I think that, you know, you talked about Miles Sanders, uh, you know, running pretty hard. I thought some of the guys up front did a nice job. Landon Dickerson really stood out to me a number of times uh, in this game. Yeah, I thought overall, look, offensively, like I said, you turn the ball over four times. Uh, it, it is tough to be able to win the football game. But well, it's also when the turnovers came because they had two in the fourth quarter. Two in the you fourth know, sometimes quarter. if you turn it over, let's say in the first half, you can overcome. Yep. But in the fourth quarter and later in the fourth quarter, the fourth that's quarter, a, in that's, your own end. Right. That's yeah. difficult to overcome. Because Dallas, they scored three touchdowns and got a field goal off those, right. four, off those right. four turnovers. You know, and I will say this, and I don't know what you felt. Um, I thought that Minshew may have had a touchdown or got it on the deep over on third and 10 with less than 30 seconds remaining. And I thought that he that broke one, down that in the pocket. Yeah. I thought he broke down in the pocket too soon. Mm. Um, and I thought he broke down again on fourth and ten with an overreaction to the uh, to the flash of Armstrong inside. And he had to throw to Brown for a first down. And and there was a timeout left and likely three plays to score. Was the third and ten? Was that the one where he rolled left? It was like four. It was four strong to the right side. It was there was a, there was four routes over to the right. The one late in the game. 
Well, I know that they were... Is that were, the third down play or the second down play? Because the they spiked third, it on first. It was the third down play. It was play. the third down play. Yeah. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that was... And then the fourth down, he totally broke yeah, down the way four, too the soon. Yeah, the fourth down one was... Yeah, yeah that, was, that yeah. was a tough play uh, yeah. at the, by the end of it. But, yeah, but um, hey, overall, you know, again, the guy hasn't played a lot. I thought he played well. I yeah. mean, against a pretty solid defense. Yeah. He threw for 355 yards, I believe it was, yep. something along those lines. Yeah, uh, and so... Uh, and was not sacked, you know. So while they did turn it over four times, and, and Minshew did throw the two picks, which are debatable as to whether they were his fault or not, yep. the point is he didn't really have negative plays as far as getting sacked. Yeah, well, and like I said, the, those turnovers, uh, to your point, uh, timely from a right. Dallas standpoint, and they were able to capitalize uh, on Without question. Plays. And I think at the end of the day, defensively, this game came down to third down. You know, I talked about this in the kickoff yep. show uh, with Gabriella DiGiovanni before the game, and it's you know to me like the, there was so much talk about Gardner Minshew and the offense and what was going to look like without Jalen Hurts. It, to me, the matchup was this Eagles defense going up against this Cowboys offense and Dak Prescott. They didn't see Dak in the Week Six game. What was this going to look like? Um, obviously, all eyes on Dak and this right. offense after Jacksonville last week, right? So, um, to me. Going at a third down, the individual plays in this game uh, where they were able to sustain drives. Uh, they, I believe, there were seven of their seven of seven to start the game on third down, or six of seven. And the one miss they had was uh, the one where they ended up getting it on fourth down anyway. Um, so they just could not get off the field, and for a, a multitude of reasons. No. But to me, that was what ended up costing them this. It game. did, and, and Prescott was eight for twelve for one fifty-one, which of course includes the fifty-two yarder to help. Yeah. But seven of those eight completions resulted in in uh, first downs. And that's the critical stat. Because yep. sometimes you can look at a quarterback's numbers on third down and you say, oh, he was eight for 10. And then you dig deeper and you find out only two of them. Short the <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. yep. uh, and of course, they did not sack him on third down. They did have sacks, yep. but they did not sack him on third down. Which, again, uncharacteristic for right. this team. Right, right. Because they were leading the league by a wide margin yeah. in third down sacks. They had 30 coming in and the second right. place team had 21. At 21, yeah. correct. Uh, and I th- to me, when you look at um, the second drive of the game, look, first drive, you got the pick six from Josh Sweat, which was a, a, a great play. A great play. Uh, first pick six by defensive lineman all season uh, in the NFL. Yep. Um, second drive, perfectly dialed up and executed blitz. I mean, the, the Eagles disguised it very, very well. They showed pressure from the right. They fell those, the, those guys fell out. Avante Maddox and I believe it was TJ Edwards. You mean the one where they almost had him down and he threw it to, to, they had, they had uh, to Gallup? Yep, they had yeah. him down and it yep. was the, they, they blew the coverage inside. It was a mesh concept. Yep, so they blew yep, the coverage. Yep. Um, so you had a miscommunication to coverage standpoint and a missed tackle. That keeps that drive alive. They go down, they score a touchdown. Drive th- uh, the third drive of the game. You have that fourth down penny on Dar- Darius Slay. That helps keep a drive alive that leads to a touchdown. Fourth drive, Josh Sweat jumps off sides. That creates a free play. Uh, C.D. Lamb goes down the seam for 26 yards. That keeps the drive alive. They go down and they score a touchdown. Um, you know, so you have those kinds of plays where it's like, man, like uh, goes the other way. And now that that's even and I one thought of that those they had, plays changes th- the game. I thought that there were a couple of plays that were um, – uh, I don't want to say they were mistakes, but they didn't play. They either got caught or they didn't play the coverage exactly right. Right. Like, I thought the 36-yard touchdown uh, to To C.D. Lamb. What did you think of that one? Here's what I thought, and maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Ben and I were talking about this a lot today. Going back. Here's what I thought. I thought they caught the Eagles in rotation from split safety to single high cover three. Okay. That's what I thought. Right. And the Cowboys had trips to the field with Lamb, the point man, in a bunch look. Blankenship was the safety to trips, but he rotated into the deep middle and therefore was moving away from the the play. And 
Slay, he, he's the, the deep third defender, but he jumped rounds out route at the sticks. I don't think that was on Slay. It's easy to say that because the ball's caught over the top, the top court, yeah, but it was right. also caught 30 yards down the field. Yep. So I think Slay was caught in a tough spot because he had a receiver right in front of him right at the sticks. And also nobody carried Lamb at all. No one carried Lamb at all. So I think there was a miscommunication there. There might have been. There uh, might have been. That's the thing. is that it's, This is a, a defense that we've talked all season right. long about. Man, the communication on the back seven, so, so good. Right. So how many times we see these really good, well-executed pass-offs and zone coverage against mesh and against these two- and three-man route concepts and all right. perfectly matched. And, and this game, just too many of those Yeah, and, and even the one you mentioned, the 26-yarder on third and seven, where I think it was the one that was offsides, yeah. which was four verts, and that was a cover four boundary lock concept. Yep. Epps, the boundary safety, was a beat late reacting to Lamb seam route because mm-hmm. he is the boundary safety, has to react to number three vertical to trips. Yep. And I thought he was a beat late. It wasn't as if he blew the coverage. He was just a beat late. I thought it was interesting. Uh, on the broadcast, Greg Olson actually said that uh, when, a, when an offense feels that it, when they know they've got the free play, that's automatic conversion of four verts. Uh, and that, that they may have all of it, which... That's interesting that the team's able to do that. Do like, that that quickly. Snap. Right. They all went four verts. They went I don't four know verts. if that was the play or not. But, right. Um, and maybe he's right. He, he would might, know better than you and I. No question <laughs> yeah. about it. I mean. so I, when he said that, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Obviously, it went, went against the Eagles, so it wasn't that interesting. But um, I think when you look at, uh, at plays like that, it's like, yeah, like those, those self-inflicted wounds uh, come back to get you uh, every single time. And then there are plays where, hey, you know what? Fourth and one, they fake a QB sneak, and they throw the flip play out to Zeke for 22. Yeah, that was a cool play. Nice, nice play. Yeah. Uh, Michael Gallup, that third down touchdown on the scramble drill, like unbelievable play what by you, Gallup. I mean, what are you going to say? catch by Gallup. Yeah. It's a third down if, play. If Hurts made that throw to Brown or, or Smith, yep. we'd be talking about it for 10 minutes. That's a great play. It's a great it, play. Um, but it's the... The third and thirty plus fifty-two to T.Y. Hilton, and in some of those other plays we talked about earlier, like those are the plays. And that the it third and thirty. Look, the reality is you just can't give up that. You play. You can't give it you up. You can't give up that play. Yep, and for you know a couple different reasons, uh, the Eagles uh, gave that play up, and which so- was an interesting. You know, again, you know, you and I sit and watch tape, and and you and I understand what coaches do and how hard they work and you and I don't rip coaches um, but it was pretty interesting how they chose to play coverage on that third and thirty play, yep. which you know. They got they caught. Just, they just they just, they tried to disguise Guys cover uh, two. Look at it as, as a cover two. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, right away everybody thought that was Slay's fault. It was not Slay's fault. No, Josiah Scott's getting over the top. Right. And what I think is interesting, because at the end of the day, <clears throat> you're going to make a call and you got to go out and execute that call. Of right? course. And, and the, the the players all said this in the locker room after the game. I think that there were the the play that I thought about on Christmas Eve night as I was driving home, because uh, it's like you know I think everybody's response is why don't you just play sticks defense, play sticks defense, play sticks defense. I can remember the play against the, the Tennessee Titans in 2018 on the road where, uh, where Corey Graham uh, was supposed to be playing sticks defense. I remember that play. Yeah. Right underneath. Yeah. And it's like, well, why are you playing st- Why are you playing sticks defense here? Like, you got to go out and execute the call. Every, right. every coverage, especially a zone coverage, uh, has some kind of weakness. And, and the Eagles got caught. And they, and they gave up a big play in a place where they should not have given up. They, they no. couldn't give and up And it still took play. a perfect throw and a great catch. Great catch uh, down the field yeah. at T.Y. Hilton. So, um you know, we talked about the sudden change scenarios not going well uh, for this Eagles defense. Four turnovers all lead to points. Um, from a positive end, we talked about uh, Josh Sweat in the pick six. Uh, I thought he had a good game overall. So he had I. another sack a little bit later in the game, defended the run well. They tried some pin pool schemes uh, his way. I thought he handled those. He's really very, good very against well. the run. He's really good against the run. Really no, good. No question. But I thought uh, the guy that actually stood out most to me against the run in this one was, uh, was Fletcher Cox. Uh, the matchups between he and Tyron Smith, uh, he and Zach Martin, two future Hall of Famers, um, really, really fun. Uh, it's I, interesting you say that because – 
He didn't to me. I mean, I, I right. thought Linville Joseph stood out. Linville, and Linville had, had some yeah, good stats yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought Fletcher really stood out to me in this game. The ones between him and Tyron, especially in the first half, uh, I thought he gave Tyron everything he what, could handle. What I thought was interesting is there were a number of times on third down yep. where the Cowboys kept Schultz and the back offset to chip. So here you have Tyron Smith, mm-hmm. maybe a Hall of Famer, yep. but playing right tackle, a new position. And you got the rookie left tackle, who's well actually Smith, played yeah. pretty well and, yep. and clearly improved. And they definitely believed that they had to chip because that limits your options. The Eagles are not a big blitz team. Yep. So they know that there's going to be seven in coverage. And now they're only sending three out as primary receivers because Schultz and Pollard or Elliott are in the in the backfield offset, chipping, sweat, and and um, Reddick. Reddick yeah. And I thought that was very interesting that the Cowboys chose to do that. Yeah. And, that, and they did it a lot. They did it a, I mean, a lot being three game. or four times is a yeah. lot. There, right. There were, I mean, and that's the thing is that when you look at, especially the, the, that happened a lot on third down, yep. uh, uh, you know, the adjustments that the Eagles made on third at, at halftime on third down, because that's the, as bad as they were in the first half, and there was – Time after time after time, I right. talked about it. They converted seven of the seven to start, or whatever that number was. Um, I think that they only converted twice in the second half. They were right. like two of seven in the second half. Uh, one of them being that fifty-two yarder that was, uh, you know, a deciding play in the game. But when you look at what they did, they played a lot more zone uh, in the first half. Second half, they came out and played a little bit more man. They diversified things up. They did more double teams on CD Lamb. They changed at times. From a coverage and m- most of Lamb's catches came versus zone coverage. Yep. No doubt. A few came against man, but most came against zone. Yeah, so they, they, they made those adjustments at half and uh, did a little bit more from a pressure look standpoint. Right, you right. saw Kaiser mugged up on the line of scrimmage. They ran uh, some stunts with him, looping inside. Like They, they did some no, different things no that, question. that worked. Uh, it, yeah. just, it was a little, you know, not enough, ultimately, no, no. Uh, to go and win the football game. Um, so, yeah, uh, the other big one that was that stood out to me, uh, This I was thinking about this. Uh, ben had, had tweeted out, Ben Fennell had tweeted out a stat last week. Dak Prescott had only scrambled like eight times in nine games this year. Right. Uh, the Eagles lost contain on him a number of times. It was like, oh, well, where's the contain at? Well, uh, he hadn't really done that all right. season long. Right. And so you, they, they, saw some, they saw that. They made some adjustments by third drive. That, that wasn't as much of a factor uh, from that point on. But uh, Dak making some plays with his legs uh, was, was – Dak played really well. well in this game. Dak had one of his best games of the season. Yeah, uh, without question. And he's – look, he's a professional quarterback. He's a really good player. There's a lot of narratives out there about him, but I mean, he's, yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. He's a really good player. Yeah. Um, the, the, the people in the, in the know know that Dak Prescott yes. is a good quarterback. Yeah, I, I would yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I got from uh, from uh, from this game standpoint. Let's now uh, turn our page here, turn the page here to this game against New Orleans. Uh, interesting team because obviously the, the record has not been great no. this year. Um, the uh, coaching change, uh, lots of lot a lot of injuries. It's not like the sexiest roster to no. look at. And offense has been. You know, it's at times a little tough. A little, at times a little bit tough, but then also you look at some of the metrics and you're like, oh, like they actually, they don't look that terrible from a from a metric standpoint uh, in a lot of a lot of key areas. Like they're middle of the pack. They're not great in any one area, and they don't do anything. You know, when you look at all, like they're dead last in screens. They're near the bottom of the league and like empty and play action and like you know all the different th- tools that people you like to use. I'll tell you what, they have to have more personnel groupings than anybody in football. But they don't score a lot of points. And well, that's, I mean, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a, that's an important metric. Yeah, a red zone, they're, like, they're 17th or 22nd yeah. points per game. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's been uh, that's been a problem for them. Yeah, yeah. they can't finish. But uh, the, the, the talent issue that, they've, that they face this year will have a lot to do with that. No question. I mean, they're, look, uh, Andy Dalton's their starter. He has been for most of the season. Um, they'll hit a big play here and there. You know, we have no idea what the status of Chris Olave or Jarvis Landry is as, we, as you and I sit here on a Monday evening talking about this game. Neither one played in the game against the, um, the Browns. Um, 
you know, so we don't know. The, yeah. the guy who's kind of morphed into their big play guy is Rashid Shahid from Weber State, who I did not watch coming out of college. Watch, I did not watch um, Rashid Shahid. And he's not a volume target, but he can get over the top of your defense. Yep. And they do take their shots with him at times. Um, but as far as receiver, if, if Alave and Landry don't go, you know, you have Marcus Callaway. I mean, you have guys who, you know, when you look at them, you don't say, wow, we really need to shut these guys down. Um, they want Alvin Kamara to be the foundation of their offense. Um, he gets, on average, close to 20 carries a game now that he's healthy. Um, but he has not he's – he's averaging less than four yards a rush. Uh, they play a ton of six-all-line personnel. I mean – as you mentioned to me before we came on, and I knew it was high, but I didn't realize it was as high as you said. The last three games, one out of every three snaps. It's insane. It's they've like had one of the six offensive snaps. linemen. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, one out of every three snaps the last four games uh, has been with six It's linemen. nuts. Uh, it's uh, wild. Yeah, so I mean, and then of course they've got the Taysom Hill factor. Yeah, which, and that, that's the thing is those are typically paired together. Yes, and, that, and that's, that's an important point. Because Hill is obviously a dynamic runner, um, both in the field and when you get to the red zone. Uh, but he can throw the ball on occasion, too, and you have to be aware of that. Because normally when he throws the ball, it's not a five-yard pass. Normally when he throws the ball, it's either intermediate or vertical, and you have got to be aware of that. Because like I said, Shahid can run. He can easily get on top of your defense. If your safeties are looking at Hill as the quarterback and figuring, hey, it's not going to be a pass, Shahid can run right by you. You have to be careful about that. Mm. Yeah, and he definitely has uh, he definitely has wheels. He, he had that long touchdown against the Falcons uh, from Taysom Hill uh, a couple of weeks couple ago. Of weeks ago. Yeah, you saw that ability to, to, to take the top off, um, and that's an area where Chris Olave has uh, ha- has attacked for, for this Saints offense. And when you look at uh, he's he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Didn't practice all week last week. Was declared out before the game. hamstrings are tough. Yeah, so we'll see. They normally he, don't take one week. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if he's able to go. And I mean, the other player who I think is important in the context, particularly if Olave and Landry can't go is Juwan Johnson, the former Penn State wideout, who I then transferred, I believe, to Oregon yep. and has made the transition in the NFL to tight end. So he's got some juice for a tight end, and he's been very, very effective in the red zone. But I think if the if those two wide receivers are out, he could be more of a factor just throughout the field. I mean, Chris Olave has got 42 targets on third down this season. Juwan Johnson second with 16. Right. It just speaks to like how much they have leaned on Olave. Which is fascinating given that Olave was not a third down target at all at Ohio State. And was not viewed as a a volume guy. No, I didn't think he was at all. Uh, You know, I think when, uh, I was was very high on Olave coming in. Um, I thought that he could be what what he has turned into so far. And it's obviously still extremely early. Um, But I think when you look at uh, his ability to impact all three levels, he's got that. He could separate at the intermediate level. Um, and And we've seen a lot of that so far. But that injury would would mean a big deal for that yeah. offense. Uh, you mentioned Juwan Johnson. You mentioned Jarvis Landry. He's actually on injured reserve, so he will definitely he's, not. He's play out. Yeah, yeah they, they put him on injured reserve over the weekend, so he's definitely out. Uh, Alvin Kamara, very interesting. With his presence, you would think like, all right, well, you know, you're getting a decent dose of him, uh, you know, in the pass game. They're actually, like I said, dead last in the screen game. They, it's, you'll get him in like yeah. Texas routes and in the flat. Kamara, they don't, they don't design things for him, which blows me away because I think Kamara's. You could make the argument he's the best receiving back in the league. Right. Uh, you know, and I'm sure there's others who come to mind, the Christian McCaffrey's of the world. Sure. Aaron Jones is really, really good. Um, and I'm sure there's others I'm missing right now is, um, you know, just thinking off the top of my head. But they just don't use him that way, the way that the previous coaching staff did yep. when Sean Payton was there. And, and 
you know, it, it just surprised me because they are lacking at wide receiver with all these injuries, yeah. and he can line up anywhere. Yeah. He's he's not a uh, in any sense of the word a grinder between the tackles like you keep him in space and he's right. in good shape but uh, you know dealing with contact that's why they typically have gone and always kind of paired him with somebody Mark Ingram they you know they kept who's this now on injured reserve reserve so he's not in there and Kamara's now because of the lack of weapons has in some ways had to become a grinder right I mean he's been getting twenty carries yeah and that's uh, I don't think that's necessarily the best like no it may not be but you know sometimes except for him yeah I mean they don't have much right now no um, that said. Uh, you mentioned that Taysom Hill package. It, that's that's a pain to prepare for. Without man. question. I mean, when you talk about all the different uh, O-line, uh, multiple O-line packages, um, and you get take, Taysom Hill on the field, it's so funny. You know, it's one of the ways I'll, I look at different personnel groupings and what are the, some of the trends I'm seeing. Uh, I'll just look at uh, pro football focus and kind of sort it from a, from a personnel standpoint. And their third most common personnel package is not it's like an unknown group because that's when Taysom Hill is on the field. Right. With no other quarterback. It's not Andy Dalton's not on the right, field. Right, right, right. Since he's a tight end, end, they don't have a, a personnel right. grouping for that. It's just so funny. That right, right, their right. Their third most uh, most common personnel grouping, um, but that is a pain to deal with because you don't know how to treat Taysom Hill. He will run. He will throw. He will catch. He will block. He would do, and. You can argue about, oh, well, how good is he at any of those four things? But the fact that he does all four things means you have and to And he's really tough to tackle. Things. Yeah. He's yeah, a big, powerful man. It's a pain to deal yeah. with. Yeah, um, So it's a, it's a huge uh, assignment week from that standpoint uh, for the Eagles defense, just making sure they're ready from a run-fit standpoint in particular because they love a lot of the two-back stuff, you know, getting a, a lead blocker out in front. They've got the fullback Prentice that they'll mix in. Um, they'll use him as the lead blocker. Uh, a lot, of, a lot to prepare for right. from that standpoint. Let's go now over to the defensive side of the football, where the identity has not really changed all that much. It has much. not. Uh, you know, it's a lot. It's of Dennis things, Allen. It's Dennis Allen, and so the, take us through what you what you. Well, it's funny. You know, I was identity. saying uh, to you and Ben before we started doing this that you know in the in the off season when I get a chance to talk to a lot of coaches, when I talk to offensive coaches, one question I always like to ask is, what defensive coaches, defensive coordinators, give you the most trouble? And Dennis Allen's name always comes up, always. Mm. And he's one of the most respected defensive minds in the game. Um, he does a lot of different things. He likes to be aggressive. Um, he's particularly difficult when you get into third down and, and longer yardage situations. He likes to play with six defensive backs. He likes to play what we call 3-2-6 dime, where he keeps two linebackers on the field. Demario Davis is one of the best three-down linebackers in the game. He's very effective both in pass coverage and as a blitzer. Yep. Um, and he can play sideline to sideline. Um, they haven't quite gotten the pass rush from their D-line. You know, Cam Jordan hasn't been quite the same this year in terms of just, you know, sheer numbers. Um, but he's been a really good player, arguably a Hall of Fame type player. He has over 100 sacks. Yep. Um, but it hasn't been quite the same just overall. But Marcus Davenport leads their team with 41 pressures. That would rank fifth on the Eagles. So just to give right, fans a right. sense of what the in terms of uh, the pressure that they're, right. they're not getting. So it hasn't now. right. It just hasn't quite been the same. Yep. Um, but you know the one thing they do in the secondary is they play a lot of man coverage and they blur it a lot. You know they play sort of 
between two man, which is two deep safeties and man coverage, and what we call one robber, where they take one of the safeties and he kind of drops into the middle. And sometimes you don't know exactly where he is. Mm. And I remember they got an interception against Tom Brady last year in the week eight game that sealed the victory. P.J. Williams, who who, key, who played this week because uh, Marcus May was out, yep. um, so he was the dime. Their inactives list was full of players that are pretty impact players. I know, so I know, I know. Week. And I guess we don't know what's going to happen this yeah, week for a lot of those guys. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but you know they they caught Brady with a, with a one robber concept and he threw the pick to Williams. Mm. You know, so they show you it's blurry and you know it's you just have to be aware of that. Yeah. It's 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 a tough deal. Um, and I guess, you know, at this moment on a, on a Monday night, we don't know about Jalen Hurts. Obviously, if you're going to play two-man versus Jalen Hurts, you may choose to play less for the run game factor. Or even if Jalen plays, maybe he says, I'm not going to run as much mm. because the last thing he wants to do is aggravate an injury if he does play. Although, and that's the other thing, too, is that it might be more one robber because robber at least not, you not have some spy, right, it's, but right, it's, it's a right. spy-ish in terms of right. and, you, and, and it's an athlete yes as opposed to a lineman or a linebacker yep no doubt um, so that'll be something to watch if it yep. is Jalen Hurts uh, from a personnel standpoint uh, Marshawn Lattimore if he goes he was a guy that was inactive this he past week he hasn't played since about week three yeah it seems like they're gearing him up to be able to get to the because he's off injured reserve uh, right. but now inactive so we'll see uh, I guess uh, we're hoping to uh, uh, talk with somebody for faux focus later this week well it'll be interesting because you know Adebo is, is their uh, right corner yep I think it was a second year corner second, third, from, third year corner from now, Stanford, Stanford. Yep. yep and I really like what I've seen from Alante Taylor the, the rookie, rookie from Tennessee whose yeah. tape I absolutely loved coming out of Tennessee I'm sure you did him yeah I liked, I liked him a lot too. I liked him a lot long athletic twitchy yep. and he's played extremely well in his matchup two weeks ago when he did match up to Drake London yep do you watch that tape yeah Drake London couldn't separate from him. Both so with both of those guys with Adebo and and Taylor, I didn't necessarily look at either guy and say like, oh yeah, like these would be great for like a, a man scheme, right. which would be you know, the See, I thought Taylor could be Adebo. I didn't necessarily think so. Yep. But Taylor, I did. But with both guys, I loved their competitiveness yep. and their route instincts. Yep. And that shows up. With well, Adebo and their you, ball skills. They, right. they play the both of them. Play you the saw that really with Adebo well. in college that he had a good feel. Yeah. I just didn't think he might have been quite athletic enough to with play Taylor, man. That wasn't the question. Yeah. It wasn't a question with Taylor at all. Yeah. Uh, but the compete level shows yeah. up with both guys. Yeah. They can both finish on the ball. Um, so, yeah, while Marshawn Lattimore is a, is a great player, uh, they're getting some good play from those two starters on the outside, the two young guys. Uh, they've got a veteran in Bradley Roby who's playing in the nickel. Yeah, he's playing uh, slot. You, know, you mentioned some of the uh, the safety depth. You know, Marcus May was out this past week, but he's been playing for them. Tyron Matthew uh, has also been playing, and he's also really good in that role as like a as a robber, right. kind of a, a lurk defender there. The and he's field. got a great feel. No, no question. So And the kid uh, who, who started this week uh, is – Justin Evans. Yes. Who, former second round pick. Out of A&M, right? A&M, yeah. And Bucks, I, yeah. I remember I did him, you did him because he was talked about a lot because he was a great athlete yeah. and big. And it hasn't quite worked out, but he's still a very good athlete. Yeah. And obviously they like him more than P.J. Williams as a starter. Yep. You know, and Williams has been there for years. But um, I don't know what Marcus May's status is for this week, but he yeah. normally is the starter. The, the Saints are very... Um, trait based when it comes to scouting and right. in terms of uh, the, the players they like to target and free agency and the draft and that shows up with a, a really athletic defense uh, that likes to get after you in a lot of different ways and like you said you know for a number of reasons they've fallen off a little bit um, but this is a, a group that can put a lot of pressure on you uh, and yep. so you, you have to be ready for that from a um, from an offensive standpoint just it's not necessarily like a high blitz scenario but again they're, there's they're, a lot of pressure they're on they're a challenge now. to play against yes. now they, they don't the personnel has not been great this year in terms of the production mm. 
that they we've seen in the past when yep. they've been very very good under Dennis Allen when he was the coordinator. But it still is is a challenge tactically to play against. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we talked about him from all, all three levels. You mentioned Demario Davis uh, and what he can do. He's a really good player. Standpoint. He's just a, he's just a wrecking ball. Uh, yeah. He plays downhill really, really I mean, well. I think over the last three, four years, he's been a top three, top four, three down linebacker in the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah they were getting good play out of Pete Werner next to him as well. Yep. He got hurt. Uh, but now, Caden Ellis, uh, whose brother uh, plays here for the Eagles, uh, Christian Ellis. Um, Ellis Caden, has been a nice player for them. He's done some good things as a blitzer. Yeah. Uh, he's he started off being the Sam linebacker when they were in their base, and then Warner got hurt, and then he's moved in to play in their 3-2-6, and they've kept him there. Yeah. No, he's he's athletic. And yeah, can do a lot for, and he for can rush defense. the quarterback. No question. Yeah, he, he's got some clean wins against yeah. offensive linemen yeah. this year. Yeah, uh, he'll be used on different stunts like they use with Davis. So you got to factor those two linebackers in to the rush package here on Sunday. Well, Greg, uh, next week we'll break it down here this uh, Eagles Saints game and also turn our attention to Week 18 against the New York Giants right here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Great stuff from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, though, because the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out to Salvi D, who left a five-star review, saying how much they love the podcast, they love the segment with Greg, and with Eagles coaches and with all the guests that we bring on. They look forward to the release twice a week. So, Salvi, thanks so much for the five-star review. Thanks so much for the comment. And we will continue churning out this content for you uh, as this Eagles season continues. Thanks so much for leaving us your support over on our Apple Podcast page. Great stuff this week from Craig Cosell. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast for everybody here at the Novacare Complex. I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.